Welcome to What the Fun Podcast with Kimmy, Kisa, and Renee. Glad you can join us as we explore all aspects of entertainment and current events with industry professionals, friends, and us. Welcome. Once again, we are here, episode eight. And um, yeah. (laughs) Okay, guys, we're laughing so hard because we're just so out of it. I don't know. I'm out of it. I won't lie. Today, I'm kind of out of it. But um, Renee, no, 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 Kisa just brought up how her eyebrows was like totally Renee status. Now, if you aren't familiar with the Renee status eyebrows... Renee has a beautiful set of eyebrows. Um, actually, one set. <laughs> Is it one? It's not even a set. It's connected. It could be a uni for sure. It has it's potential really to be full, one. Though. It's because they're really full. Because I think no matter what, when your eyebrows grow, like you just get, you know, your little hairs in the middle. Everywhere. <laughs> that's why you have to, but that's why you just like clean them up, you know? So we're talking about eyebrows here. It's eyebrows. The subject is eyebrows. First, we got to get the uh, the listeners to know that we're talking about Renee's unibrow because Kisa was having Renee's status unibrow eyebrows. Yeah. Okay. I used to like do my eyebrows. I don't know, like once every couple of months, but you know, I haven't had to really like go out and like be with people. So I would just was like, oh, who cares? And then like yesterday, I just like looked in the mirror and I was like, I need to get my eyebrows under control. <laughs> they are Renee status. I was like, no, <laughs> my tweezers. unacceptable. And I just pulled out my tweezers in my little compact mirror because I wear glasses. I have to hold it like one inch away from my face. And then I'm just like... <laughs> Just like in there. I had to get Looking all away. my eyebrows. Just squeezing my eyebrows away. <laughs> For me, so it's jealous. like never ending. Never ending. Like if I start plucking, I could be there all day. It just... She plucks I one get tired. and then another two grow back in its place. And two grow back out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I saw... Okay, so this person I went to college with, um, she did like this thing on Snapchat for... What is it called? I think it's called Refinery29. I don't even know what that is. I just think, do you guys know what that is? Refinery29. No. I think it's like, I think they do like, honestly, I don't know. I should just Google it. I think they do like um, cosmetics or something. Who knows? So she was on their Snapchat and she did a whole thing about laminating your eyebrows. And what? Yeah, I, I literally don't know what this stuff is. So I obviously had to go on Snapchat and I watched her whole thing about laminating eyebrows. So then I also Googled it because I was like, what is that? So literally, this is how it goes. It comes in like a little kit. You can buy like a little laminating kit on Amazon. And you get <laughs> you get like this little like clear serum, right? You like put it on your eyebrow and you like kind of like comb them. <laughs> You comb your eyebrows into your shape and then you literally, you literally, I'm probably missing some steps. So if you want to know how to laminate your eyebrows, don't listen to me and watch it on YouTube. (laughs) But but then you put like some plastic wrap, some saran wrap on your eyebrows. 
That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah, you have to like let them sit. And they literally say it's like a perm for your eyebrows. Because then like it's like set, you set your eyebrows for like months. And then you just, just like, you know how like people get like eyelash extensions and then like, I mean, it does take maintenance when you have eyelash extensions. Eyelash extensions. You just like can let them like, their eyelashes will grow. You just let them like kind of like grow and then the extensions just like fall out. I feel like that's how it is with like this laminating. See, I wish they had, because they have microblading where they slash your skin oh, and put a, mm -hmm. a tattoo of like fake hair. I wish they had some type of weaving process for eyebrows because I have half an eyebrow. I was born with white hair over here. That's why I pencil in my eyebrows. And so um, I really wish I had Renee's status eyebrows because then it would be beautifully arched. But I think no. maybe that's like what, maybe that's what laminating helps. Helps. I, I truly don't know. What prevents the hair from growing? Is no, it's still, no, it's know. still, no, it still grows. Oh, but it's, see, just, it's just too, about then shaping. Then you still pluck it, no? It's just about shaping. I think, I think it's just for like people who like really like, no, like want to have like really nice eyebrows all the time and like don't, cause you know how people, they literally have like those, like, I think Kim, you're the one saying that they like have like those little stencils. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Is that what you do? No, I, oh no, I freehand mine. Oh yes, <laughs> and they look good. Yeah, your eyebrows <laughs> do look good. You know, it took many years to perfect the arch. Oh, that's what happened when I, when I did the eyebrow bang. It looked like I had half an eyebrow. <laughs> You're the only person I know who had an eyebrow bang. You're the oh only God. person I know. <laughs> okay, well, if you know how to laminate your eyebrows or take care of your eyebrows, us up. please let us know because <laughs> we don't know. We just make it up. We just do what we got to do. <laughs> when you see three podcasters walking around with messed up eyebrows... <laughs> but mine turned out good though. They look good. Your eyebrows look good. They do look they good. They do. You know, <laughs> just being a woman is so much work. We have to maintain our eyebrows. We have to shave our legs. We have to shave our armpits. We have to nair our wax mustaches. our upper lip. <laughs> wax our upper lip, our chin, depending on how hairy you are. You know, during this whole quarantine, I know I talked about not taking a shower. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but, you know, I might as well just let it all out. Cat's out of the bag now, toots. I, um, <laughs> I didn't shave my legs or my armpits she said for it. months. <laughs> for months. Even till this day. If y'all can see my face, it's turning red. <laughs> but you just did, though. You just. But you just did. So. And now, so let's get to Kumi. <laughs> 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 Let's get to our guest. Well, I mean, if you really think about it, Kumi is one of those people that you can just hang and talk about anything with. So she would just be joining into this conversation and have a lot to say. Exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty positive. I love her. Um, she's pretty, pretty awesome. We kind of love her. We've all we worked kinda, with her. We freaking well, love her. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a her. 
I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with the Coomsters. Yes. And that the two of you were able to work with her directly in one yes. way or the other. I didn't. I kind of was just around the people that she worked with. And sometimes I interject, intercepted, interjected myself into the conversations. <laughs> but she, but it's like, but she's the kind of person though, that like, even if you didn't work with her, you know who she is because mm-hmm. everybody knows her. Yeah, right. Everybody just knows who she is. Like it, she's amazing. I love her. She's a powerhouse. She mm-hmm. is a force not to be reckoned with. I mean, she, she performs on stage. She's done film. So let's get her in here. Joining us today is an inspiring singer and actress who uses a wheelchair daily. Her singing and acting career took off when she appeared on Warner Brothers reality show Pop Stars 2, which was one of my favorite shows back in the days, and earned national accolades from many publications, including Variety Magazine and TV Guide. She was actually, she was actually referred to as the girl in the wheelchair whose voice blew everyone out of the water. I believe it because she is amazing. Um, also, shortly after she was cast, um, she was cast in Disney's Aladdin, a musical spectacular at Disney California Adventure Park, being the first performer in a wheelchair on a Disney stage in the world. And despite all barriers, this amazing woman and dear friend of ours was also crowned Miss Wheelchair California in 2010 and first runner up as Miss Wheelchair America in 2011. Oh, girl. She also <laughs> continued to gain success by landing a major role as Carmen in the Sundance Film Festival hit and Academy Award nominated film, The Sessions, and became the founder and owner of Miss Wheelchair California Foundation. Good Lord, this girl, she is one busy bee. You guys, please welcome to the show our dearest, most amazing, talented friend in the whole wide world, Jennifer Kumiyama. Yay! Yay! Thank you. Hi. Hi, Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. It's we're excited. We're so excited to have you. Yes, we I'm so are. excited. So we just heard all about your extensive career in both the arts and being an advocate for those living with a disability. Let's just start off by you telling us how you started performing. Uh, I started singing in kindergarten. My first show was a Christmas pageant. And I was the good ship lollipop. And <laughs> I love it. I know it's kind of it's kind of hilarious. Actually, they they dressed my chair as a boat, and then they made me this really cute lollipop costume, and my whole head was like a piece of candy, which in hindsight is a dream come true. But that's where um, I think I got bit by the theater bug. But um, yeah, I just grew up, uh, you know, in public school music programs. Um, Actually, I was a snare drum percussionist in the um, All City Honor Orchestra, and um, my grandpa uh, was Baptist. We spent um, every summer with him going to Baptist church, and you know them ladies on fire can wail. Um, (laughs) So that was a huge part of my growing up as well. And then I started doing community theater and theater in high school. So why did you decide to pursue an acting and singing career? Performing and singing is very much a passion of mine. And when I was younger, it was really hard for me to find myself as a performer because there wasn't anybody that looked like me in the industry or in the media, especially in live theater. So um, it was kind of hard. Like at one point I wanted to be a scientist, but I'm really bad at math. So I let that go. (laughs) Um, And then finally, like, you know, when I got into my twenties, um, 
I um, was living with my aunt at the time here in Long Beach, and I just went to audition on a whim for Aladdin, and that was it. It was the best experience of my life. We did the show for all 13 years. I think the show was supposed to last for three years, but it lasted for 13, and um, that was it. Yes, that's so awesome. Your voice is so memorable i just have to say that like i i i know i was at at a service and we talked about this yesterday from our dear friend's mom um and i just i was just in tears but it was like this joy at the same time Uh, i think he sang ave maria it was just beautiful thank you beautiful yeah i think uh music is so healing and comforting um, and it's an honor to be in an industry where you get to gift people with that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, on many levels, small and super big, it changes people's life mm-hmm. and it touches people in a way that, you know, uh, um, other arts do too, but there's something about music. I mean, mm-hmm. it's music truly feeds the soul. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, this soul it. is hungry. how has it affected your life I think it's given me an outlet to truly express who I am and uh, kind of a way for me to deal with emotion Mm -hmm. whether they be happy sad um, depressed celebratory I've always leaned super heavily on music um, and the ability to make music Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that has a lot to do, especially being a woman of color with the disability, um, and going through all of, you know, the, all of that comes with that in life. Um, I found music to be something that I can connect to and something that I can express my true self through. Mm-hmm. Kumi, can you share with us what it's like living with Okay, forgive me if I butcher the pronunciation of this, um, but arthrogryposis. <laughs> Good job. That's a $20 word right there. Um, <laughs> arthrogryposis occurs one in 3,000 births, and it was really rare. I was born in 1980, um, so it was even more rare than it is now. Um, it the literal, the literal medical translation is curved or hooked joints. So I have limited range of motion in all four of my limbs. Um, and the funny thing is, is I, I've only lived life like this, so I don't know anything else. But to be honest with you, if, if I did know something else, I, I don't, I love my life. There's not mm-hmm. really anything that I could think of My life is so full, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think and I know I owe that in part to having a disability like, you know, having a disability makes you more outgoing because, you know, you compensate to make other people feel comfortable. And I feel like because I'm so outgoing and I love people that I've had the opportunity to meet people from all over the world and um, make really, really good friends and, you know, um, have a group that you know, I'm blessed to call my chosen family um, Mm -hmm. in addition to my regular family. But, you know, I'm the oldest of six kids 
and I'm the only person with a physical disability. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and it, my, my siblings are a blessing. I, I feel like a lot of people, when they see us interact, they're like, oh my God, they're so rough on you. But I feel like it's out of love. You know, that sibling like rivalry where they just mm-hmm. pick on you. They're constantly pick on me, even though I'm like almost a hundred years old. Um, but, and, and you know, I think I think it makes me having a disability has made them um, better people because they're so open to interacting with people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very fortunate that this does not apply to me, but a lot of people in the disability community live isolated lives, mm-hmm. and you know, making friends sometimes isn't the e- easiest for people. So. My family has always been super outgoing when it comes to the disability community. And I feel so fortunate to um, have, have that and have been brought up with that. I feel like the, the biggest thing that I, I remember from meeting you is that you've never let like that just define you. You've Mm -hmm. always just have um, found a way to just give back and, and do amazing work. And it, it even comes like, it, I think when I first met you, it was like when you were promoting Miss Wheelchair and I was like, I don't even know what that is. So I asked you about it. Um, do you want to tell our listeners what Miss Wheelchair is and your involvement in that community? Absolutely. So Miss um, <laughs> Wheelchair California is a, an advocacy based pageant for women in wheelchairs, 21 and older. Um, it, it has a national, um, organization that we fall under the umbrella of the Miss Wheelchair America Incorporation. Um, So it's um, participating states have one title holder per state and in the middle of everyone's reign, um, all title holders go on to compete um, at the national level. When did you first learn about Miss Wheelchair and what actually drew you to compete in the pageant? Um, I learned about Miss Wheelchair California when I was probably about 14. Um, mm-hmm. I met my first title holder at an abilities expo in Anaheim, which mm-hmm. is right down the street from Disneyland. And I remember her just being super outgoing, so pretty. And just, I don't know, she was just so light. There was like a, a bright light around her. And, um, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so amazing. And I think my little performer heart, whether I realized it then or not, was just so um, attracted to her personality and the way that she carried herself. And when I grew up, I'd start looking at it and be like, oh, it's a pageant. I don't know. I'm not very eloquent, um, <laughs> which is not a lie. I'm kind of a tomboy and rough around the edges. But, you know, I, I feel like being the only performer with a physical disability on a stage at Disneyland and being exposed to so many people from around the country, I felt sort of um, a realization that I wasn't just fulfilling my dreams. I was helping other people realize their own. Mm-hmm. So that's when I really started to take a deep look into Miss Wheelchair California. And actually the first time I competed in 2009, I did not, I got first runner up. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty competitive. So I was like, I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get what's mine. Um, and I did. So, you know, it was awesome. What was the experience actually like, especially once you attained the title? I mean, that must have been really cool to, you know, gain the title of Miss Wheelchair. I went to compete for Miss Wheelchair America in Michigan, and I got first runner-up uh, Miss Wheelchair America in 2011, which was cool. 
um, it was hard too. Mm-hmm. Don't ever underestimate the power of a woman in a wheelchair. Those girls were on their game. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. But it was awesome. It was a great way to connect with people and find out what disability issues were in their home states. You know, because mm-hmm. um, I, I feel fortunate to live in California, but um, other people in different parts of the states aren't. Um, aren't um, taken care of like they are here and vice versa. There are some things mm-hmm. that happen in other parts of our country that, um, you know, benefit people with disabilities that don't happen in California. So that's yeah. what really drew me to um, wanting to be a title holder. It mm-hmm. was just another way for me to have a platform to encourage people. Um, my focus was specifically school age children um, and I'm helping them realize their power within to make their own dreams a reality mm-hmm. um, and not, and not just daydream. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a doer. Um, and I, and I, and I hope that even if my story touches one child's life, that, that, that that's good enough for me. And your go-getter attitude like that, that's, that's so inspiring period because you, like you say, you're very competitive. You're a go-getter. You go after what you want. You show, you lead by example and it's easier to follow that because even if, even if you don't have a disability, but you have some insecurities, you know, and that kind of holds you back. But if you see someone who's taking life by the reins and saying, no, I'm going to, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to lead. Then that's all that matters. You know, Mm -hmm. you're just, I think that's that's what's so great about about who you are and about people that are like you that are able to to see the positive and move forward, right? Or just like take life and just hey, I got this thing, but it's okay. I could still keep going. My mom does that too. I think uh, my my parents are the the num- the driving force. My family mm-hmm. is the number one driving force behind me being that way. My parents were super young. I jokingly call myself a prom night baby, but um, I, I'm really convinced that I was. So my parents were like super young. My mom was like 18 when I was born and my dad was 20. And I can't imagine like them, they didn't know that I was going to be born with a disability. Mm-hmm. And then being that young, like how mm-hmm. do you, how do you cope with that? So my, my parents and my family were my first advocates and you know, they had taught me to prepare myself, you know, for, um, being an adult. Um, and, and, you know, I have, I have downtimes and I think the best way to deal with that is just to let yourself feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a couple of days or a week or however much time you think you feel that is healthy for you. And then pack that mess up and keep on going. Mm-hmm. Um, don't let it weigh you down. Um, cause the reality is we all have bad days, right? Absolutely. But, um, you can't let those, those be a barrier. You're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that is such a great attitude to have in life because like you said, we all have bad days and it really comes down to just giving yourself grace in those moments because no one is perfect and you shouldn't have to feel that pressure. Um, what I say is do what you got to do to get through it and then move on to a better day. And this actually brings me to my next question because one of the things I do when I have a bad day or want to get away, in fact, I did that just yesterday, is take a drive down to the city of Long Beach, which is one of my most favorite cities in the whole Southern California. And I think 
like Kisa might agree, but. Yes, I was just there two days ago. Yes. (laughs) And I know that you love that city as much as we do, if not more, because, I mean, you've lived there for many years, um, but now you even work for the city. It's just a great, open, eclectic, loving place um, that is, to me, in in my eyes, super accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love it. How did you get involved with them? Well, um, before, in 2014, I became a commissioner of disability for the city of Dis- uh, Long Beach. And that was a volunteer position where we met once a month. And our job was to relay um, disability issues um, from the community to the mayor and also sort of be that um, advising um, entity on what next steps should be in order to make um, Long Beach more accessible for people with all types of disability. Mm-hmm. So um, I volunteered for for a while. And then once we got the notice that Aladdin was closing, I was like, yo, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> Like I, you know, I, like I, I did, I don't have a degree. Um, and I started making a list, like, what am I good at? Mm-hmm. What am, what can I do, but I need more work in. And then I thought, why don't I just, you know, take a little bit of time off and volunteer. So I reached out to my mayor and my council person. Um, and my council person at the time reached out to me. Um, she brought me on the team as a legislative intern. It was a volunteer position, which felt really odd because I was 36 and everybody in the office was like so young. <laughs> and um, that's where I really um, kind of got my footing as far as the city process mm-hmm. and how local government operates. And I met a lot of people in the community who've really invested in their community and I fell in love with it. It was hard and it was a challenge, but I was up for it and I loved it. So then that September, the same year the show closed, um, I ended up being hired um, um, through the office of then Councilwoman Lena Gonzalez, who's now um, our California State Senator for the 33rd District. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started. And the funny thing was, is like, everybody's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I have no clue, y'all. <laughs> Aladdin's closing. I don't know. So, you know, I just, you know, pray about it and verbalize me like, yo, I don't know. I was like, Jesus, you're my homeboy. Tell me what to do because I don't know. But then it, it was like all the clouds moved away and the sun came out and he was like, girl, go serve your people. And I was like, all right. So, and I, and I know that sounds funny, but like, that's really how I feel like it happened. When I, I always call everything audition. I don't have job interviews. I have auditions. Yeah. When I quote unquote auditioned for the the position in uh, the city council office, I didn't know it was an interview. <laughs> <laughs> My, the chief of staff at the time, he was like, all right, we're going to lunch on this day. Just, you know, be ready and all this stuff. And I was like, uh, Okay. <laughs> So we went to lunch and he was like, so tell me about yourself. And I was like, well, I'm the oldest of six kids and I love going to the movie. Just so like, <laughs> like ditzy. And I was like, oh. and then afterwards when he, he was like, uh, I'm going to bring you on the team. I was like, 
have a really dumb question, but was that an interview? And he goes, yes. I was like, um, can you tell me next time? Because I come from the entertainment world. Like, I don't know. Like, give me, some, give me an opportunity to Google what is the best interview, like, protocols for an interview. But you like, none. I know, but I, I just feel so lucky. I was like, well, this is crazy. And I felt so embarrassed. So after I had to tell him, I was like, I'm really embarrassed. I'm thankful that you're hiring me, but I have to let you know. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm going <laughs> so to have to try funny. that tactic. <laughs> right? Just be like, well, my name is Kimmy and I love long walks on the beach. And yeah, I'm a Scorpio. Oh my God. <laughs> so embarrassing. I was so embarrassed. <gasps> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, Kumi, you had a great, I, I, I thought it was great audition advice. So, what is your process when you are going to an audition? Because you said you always, you know, have to have something to look forward to after. And I love that. Yes. So I, I, first of all, always make sure you're prepared because you don't look like a fool. There's been plenty of times where, especially now where I've kind of like fallen out of practice because mm-hmm. I don't sing as much as I used yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, yo, I need to practice. Mm-hmm. But also too, like I make plans yeah. after for the audition afterwards, then it's something else to look forward to in the day. Um, whether it be going out to the movies or lunch with a friend or even shopping or it doesn't matter. I just try to make plans with another person. Yeah. It pulls the focus and the worry off of, am I going to get this? Am I not? Um, and don't get me wrong. Everybody wants to get an audition or why would we go on mm-hmm. them? But I find more and more, especially myself, and I feel like a lot of people can relate to this. We um, performers do more than what is required of us in our job. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of times in our own head, we play casting director. Mm -hmm. That's not our job. (laughs) We play, um, uh, you know, and, and there's just so many things like your job as a performer is to go in there, be prepared, do your best and leave it at the Mm -hmm. door. Mm -hmm. And honestly, when, whenever I truly do that, uh, I've had the best luck. I don't know if it's luck or just like, it's not luck. You're, you're not good, Kumi. (laughs) It's just like after Aladdin, after the Aladdin audition, I was like, it wasn't the greatest. I was so nervous because there was nobody else in me in the room that looked Mm -hmm. like me. Yeah. So I mean, my friends and I, they're like, what are we going to do? Like, I'm hoping I was like, I'm going out to eat. Let's go. So we went out to eat. Next day I wake up and there's a call on my landline answering machine when I had a landline. And they're like, this is how long it was, how long ago it was. They're like, we're going to fax you. (laughs) We're going to fax you. We're going to fax you the sides and the music. And I was like, yo, okay, this is great. So the next time I went back and I auditioned, I was like, what am I going to do next? I made myself a little field trip and I went to um, Hollywood Boulevard. Mm. Easy peasy, done. Get another call back. And by this time, I thought I was losing hair. I was like, yo. So I brought my mom. I was like, mom, we got to go and we're going to do something after. I don't know what it is, but we're going to go. She's like, all right. And we went. And then they called me and they're like, you got it. And I was like, what? I was like, is this a prank? So, you know, I just feel like when you really, truly do your best and you're okay with that, that that should be enough to let let you sleep at night, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay, girl, please tell me you're still performing because if you're not, I'm going to get pissed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still do perform here and there and I love it. Um, 
I sing with a local band um, and we do like little, little performances here and there throughout the city. Um, I shouldn't say little cause they're kind of really big, but, um, and then I also, since Aladdin closed, I did um, a little night music at the colony theater in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Um, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory um, film to stage at the Hollywood bowl with John Stamos Whoa. Yeah. Jesse. <laughs> Honey. Let me let me let me pick up that name that I just dropped. Um and then like <laughs> you know, other other like regional stuff. Like I, I had the opportunity to play um Abuela Claudia in um in the Heights and mm. um just just stuff like that. I still try to use like, you know performing as an outlet. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, I think after Latin Close is when I realized that you can have more than one passion in life, mm-hmm. but also to me personally, singing and performing is like my number one passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that is something that I'll always, I feel like I'll always be attached to and I'll always want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I kind of do, I sing in the office too. And people laugh at me, especially when, um, you know, people call the phone. I'm like, don't call my phone. And I hang up the phone and they're like, what was that? I was like, girl, I had to let it out. <laughs> oh, let it out. And they're like, oh my God, you're crazy. But yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that would turn, like if I was mad and you started singing, I'd be like, yes, let's sing together. <laughs> yes. You have, to, you have to find that release. And you can't have that pent up anger. It's not good for anybody. Kumi, what are some of your favorite memories performing on stage? I was I was researching and I was on your website and I I watched um your video with Idina Menzel when you sang for good, which I've been I've been calling oh. it now I can't even think of this. I've been calling it this other song, A Change in Me from Beauty and the Beast. I don't know why. The last two days <laughs> just not correct. Well, it was a change in me. Um, what what is some of my my favorite memories overall or at Disney? Overall, overall, overall. Well, that has to be like one of them. Yeah, um, it was really good. It was so crazy because it was in the middle of rehearsal for Willy Wonka, mm-hmm. and this rando person, and I mean real rando, reached out to me on Facebook, and I was like, "I've seen Catfish, bruh. I'm not gonna be duped." Um, but he was a, a casting director and he was like, I can't tell you what TV show it is. And I can't tell you what network. And I was like, huh. this sounds super sketch. And so I was like, mm, all right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, sketchy. Cause I'm weird like that. And, um, they asked me, um, where is one place that you want to perform? And I, I immediately thought, oh, well, why not the orthopedic Institute in Los Angeles where I received treatment when I was a mm-hmm. kid. So they're like, okay, we're going to set up a little concert for you and yada, 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 and all this and all that. <clears throat> well, I don't drive. So my sister actually took off the week so she could go to Willy Wonka rehearsal for me because I need I need assistance with, like, um, eating and, um, you know, just things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so they mic us both up. We're in the car. And they're like, okay, pull around. So we pull around. And I see this woman who's in disguise. Her name is Helen. And I look over and I was like, bruh. That's Adina Menzel. <laughs> so inside of my, like, I was like, clearly she's in, in, in a disguise. So we have to like play along with it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ruin whatever's coming my way. Let's just play along with mm-hmm. it. So we 
film the outside bit. We go in and they separate us. And I look at my sister and I was like, cover my microphone. And so she covers my mic and her mic with her fists. And she goes, what's wrong? And I said, that is Adina Menzel. And she was like, you've literally lost your itch. You were so crazy. I was like, no, boo. I was like, that's Adina. And she goes, not. And I goes, I'm willing to bet you the biggest bet of my life. And she's like, all right. I said, winner, winner gets a chicken dinner from Wingstop, which is my jam. <laughs> Wingstop is my jam. It used to be the most rancid burps, but I love me some Wingstop. Um, so she, was like, she was like, all right. And I was like, I want five dates with 10 wings each. That's 50 wings. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and she was like, all right. So we continue filming on and they film it and all this stuff. And, you know, there comes a part where we're singing for all of the kids. And it was so many kids. Mm-hmm. And you could see kids with all kinds of disabilities, kids without disabilities who just got hurt, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just getting hurt for a while is even considered a temporary disability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it takes away your ability to, you know, um, do things that you could normally do. And so I start singing a song and I finish the song. And then um, I was, my direction was to make her sing a song as well. Cause she was supposed to be an inspiring singer or whatever. And so I was like, all right, I'll go with the flow. And so I was like, do you guys want my friend Helen to sing a song? And the kids were like, sing Frozen. And I was like, this is not a secret anymore. I know it. So she starts singing and then I couldn't hold it anymore. And I start crying and I look over at my sister and my sister is in tears. <laughs> and I look over while I'm crying. I was like, you owe me wings. Yeah, <laughs> and we're just bawling and crying, and it was that was probably one of my best memories. And then um, with that TV show, I um, I earned a trip to New York um, to sing with Adina in um, an annual show called the Easter Bonnet Competition, mm-hmm. um, which is a fundraiser by Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, mm-hmm. and um, we sang for good on the Lion King stage. Um, at the Mitzkoff Theater on Broadway in New York. And I took my parents and my sister and my aunts. And it was just so awesome. Um, I know it wasn't like a legit Broadway show, but I was living my best life. It was so amazing. So I think that was one of my um, biggest highlights. Kumi, I have a question to ask, and it's more on like a personal end. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh. Do you still experience, you know, um, some type of discrimination as a person with disabilities? I know today's society is more accepting these days. Yeah. Yeah. And color too. Yeah. The answer would be yes. Um, Although a lot of it is through microaggressions. Like people don't realize that they're being or saying something discriminatory. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to travel a lot. And mm-hmm. I think people are really shocked by like how I'll just, my, my best friend, one of my best friends lives in San Francisco and ha- and we met in New York, like how I'll literally hop on a plane and meet her in New York instead of like having her fly. There's no, I, I can do that by myself. And um, one thing that really sticks out in my mind was when I went to TSA and she was like, um, who's here with you? And I was like, I'm by myself. And she's like, you travel by yourself. And I was like, girl, I'm 40. And I literally <laughs> said that to her and she was like, oh. Oh, oh, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> I was like, are you gonna are you gonna take my bag so I can board this plane? Because I gotta go get a cinnamon roll before I get on that plane so nobody dies. <laughs> um, but I think like when you bring like like I think it's just my natural reaction to like bring it to a place of like humor mm-hmm. first. 
and like let people know like yo that's not cool Mm -hmm. or and then if it doesn't go that far I really voice my opinions and it's my mama's fault my mom would used to write post-its on people who would park in their handicap spot without a Mm. parking plaque or people who would park in the blue line she would get out Uh her little notepad that she left in the car and she'd be like we had to park far away. My daughter's in a wheelchair. I hope you have a great day, but please remember that blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, are you sure that post is enough? <laughs> you know, I mean, you just deal with it. And, you know, last summer, a year ago, I was in Europe. And just to see the lack of accessibility mm-hmm. in in um, London compared to the U.S. wasn't that bad. It was great, actually. Mm-hmm. But... Paris compared to the U S was not accessible. Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, I didn't see too many people with disabilities, like out living their lives. Granted, it probably could have been because I'm in like the touristy parts mm-hmm. of the countries, but you know, here, like I see people rolling, you know, scootering, whatever they mm-hmm. do, white, white caning up and down the street, but it's different. <laughs> you know, And it kind of puts, puts life in perspective and allows me to check my privileges as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't handle that mess very lightly. Like blatant discrimination is not cool with me. I'll always speak up for myself or somebody else if I see mm-hmm. it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but like microaggressions, I kind of like take it to a place of humor first mm-hmm. yeah, and then just try to like break it down and like make people realize, you know? Yeah. Some people just so. don't know. Yeah, they don't know. No, I mean, I don't know. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what would you say would be like a do? What What is some like the do's in properly approaching someone with disabilities to educate? How do we educate others to approach those with a disability? Do ask for help. Mm-hmm. And if they say no, don't be offended. Mm-hmm. Um, do. I don't know. I feel like. A lot of people who are friends with me is their first experience with people with disabilities. Um, so I feel like it opens their minds a lot. Um, but also, too, I'm very fortunate to have a disability that's visible. So I guess another do would be do realize that invisible invisible disabilities are very, very common. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being empathetic and understanding toward that and always keeping that in the back of your head is a huge do. Um, and do become an advocate. You know, um, the disability population makes up 20% of the na- of our nation, um, yet it's still one of the civil rights movements that has not been completely addressed. There's mm-hmm. a lot of loopholes and things like that. And, you know, when we, when the disability community wanted to jump on the civil rights movement and jump on that bill, they were denied. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, things that still need change. And, and I think just being cognizant mm-hmm. of, of being, uh, of what other people's needs might be like, you know, is that doorway too wide? Um, the bathroom might be empty and that the handicap stall might be empty, but if you can, you should probably use the regular size stall mm-hmm. um, because that's the only option that people have to go to the restroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how don't block the door, curb cutouts, things like that. So just do be aware um, when you're 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 out in the community and, and and interacting with folks with disabilities. Yeah, that's awesome. Kumi, what 
makes you, what draws you to the stage? Like what draws you to entertainment? Because for me, what I really love about it is like going through the whole process, even though it can be painful and exhausting and have all these things to it. But I really like seeing all of the hard work pay be paid off with a performance and a production. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I do it. So what, what keeps you going in entertainment? I think what keeps me going is being able to myself escape from my real life Mm -hmm. and whatever struggles or roadblocks that I'm experiencing. It allows me to become someone else for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that is feeling on both sides, like on and off the stage, like people are, are, um, are pulled out of reality for a minute when they're watching a show, but I think the performers are pulled out of reality as well. Right. Um, getting to play other people and really dig down deep and and feel where other people might be coming from and <clears throat> um, what their struggles in life would be. I feel like it it just opens your mind to be more aware of what it's like to be an immigrant mm-hmm. or a grandmother or or a pyramid that rose through the dang clouds. Like, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's just everything. Um, so I think that's what really draws me to it. Mm-hmm. Also too, I, I don't know. I just love dress up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, I love dressing up. It's fun. It's fun. And it's fun. You should reprise your role as the uh, good ship lollipop. Is that what it was? Or no? Wait. Oh, what? <laughs> Well, I went the good ship lollipop. If I reprise that role, I would request a boat that looks like the Queen Mary. Let's be real. <laughs> I was like, this this is a real ship, all aboard. <laughs> no, uh, I don't think I could ever go back and do that. Even though I've done some really embarrassing things, the funny story is is a funny story. Really quickly is that um, I didn't realize that when um, we were doing Willy Wonka that we we're gonna have to dress up like Oompa Loompas, and I vowed never to be an Oompa Loompa. And here I was in white overalls. I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, I am almost 40 at the time, almost 40 years old, whatever. But I wasn't the only one. So I didn't feel dumb. Like, but I got over it really quickly. You know, the bowl is, the bowl is an amazing experience. Yeah. The bowl is so, incredible. Yeah. So Kumi, as we wrap up our time with you, what would your words of wisdom be for our listeners? Um, if you want champions in your life, you have to be your own champion first. People are only going to believe in you as much as you believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have to be strong for yourself and uh, don't expect that until you do so mm-hmm. um, for yourself from other people. Mm. Love people. Um, If we were meant to do things on our own and go through this life alone, we would, there would only be one person created, but I feel like we were created with different and varying levels of ability um, for human connection purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, Reach out to people, smile, say hi. I think when I go out in public and say hi to strangers, they're like, And I'm a huge name tag person. I think it was my time at Disney, but I'll go to the restaurant and be like, 
yes, Kelly, I would like, and they're like, my dad's like, do you know that person? I was like, no, but she has a name tag <laughs> and a name. <laughs> so love people, love people. And, um, uh, and just live life organically, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that would be it. Yeah. That's Thank awesome. you, Kumi. Well said. Well Thank said. You. Thank you, Kumi. Thank you so much. Thank you all. This was fun. It was fun. Thank you so much for joining us. You better come back. Thanks for having forget. me. I love all of you. I love seeing all these ladies and ladies of color doing this. This is great. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> great platform. Thanks, Kumi. Great platform. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. If you'd like to follow Kumi on social media, you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Kumi Rocks. Or if you'd like to hear her voice or see any of her projects, visit her website at jenniferkumiyama.org. Yes, and please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Rikiki Productions. Also, don't forget to leave us a message, comment, or any questions you may have for us on Facebook or Instagram at Rikiki Productions. Yes, and make sure that you are subscribed to all of our podcast platforms so you can stay up to date on all of our latest shenanigans. We post new episodes of What the Fun podcast every other Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.